Hey, well, good evening, church. It's good to see y'all. We're going to go on a little journey together. Ha, 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 right? Let me get some stuff ready here. I am really, really excited to uh, be able to start this series off as we really delve into God's Word. Um, I even brought, I call this my big boy Bible. Um, you know, it's, this isn't my everyday Bible. This is, my, this is one of my special Bibles. So I pulled this guy out uh, for, uh, for tonight uh, to be able to teach out of. But we really want to spend the next number of weeks really looking at God's design and purpose for this book in our lives. Okay? That's, the, that's really what we're going to be doing and really helping you understand how it's put together, how to read it, how to mine all the wealth out of it um, so we can live a life that God has designed and know him uh, really effectively. So, you know, as we think about, um, as we think about the Bible, I know there's, there's a lot of imagery, there's a lot of illustrations that have been given about it uh, that I want to talk about for a second. So I brought some, I brought some things with me. Um, you guys know what this is? How many people have seen one of these recently? You know, it's, a, it's an atlas, right? There's actual, there's actual maps in this thing. So you can get to point A to point B. I mean, I even used to plug in my phone in my car, and it talks to me and tells me where to turn right and where to turn left. But a lot of times people say, oh, the Bible is like a road map. It tells you how to go, okay? Well, the Bible has some of that in it, but the Bible isn't just a road map. It's more than that. Um, what else do I have in here? Oh, I have, I have this. I have a, a cookbook, a cookbook, kind of like a, a how-to book, how to do something, right? So this is actually a, a bake-off cookbook, you know, and it has things in it like apple coffee cake supreme, which sounds delicious, right, and how to make it. And so a lot of times the people, people will say, oh, the Bible's a how-to book and how to live. You know, we've heard this uh, this um, alliteration of the word Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth, right? That's partly true. That is some of what it is, but that's not just what it is. It's more than that. What else do I got? I, oh, I got a storybook. One of my favorite storybooks, The Giving Tree. Okay, fantastic book. Um, the Bible is a storybook. It tells a story. You know, it tells God's, God's love story to us. And, you know, the Bible is it's part of that, but it's not just that. Um, the Bible, I have an old school encyclopedia, right? I even got the, the, the letter B for Bible tonight. Um, and, you know, oh, we just find information in it that we need to learn stuff. Well, the Bible is more than just an encyclopedia. You know, I got, oh, here's our doctrine book that we just based our last series on. Oh, the Bible, it's just this theological treatise, you know, we just learn about God and those sorts of things. Yes, but not just that. Um, or here's one of the most popular devotionals ever, My Utmost for His Highest. The Bible, oh, it's a great spiritual book to read in, in devotions and meditate on. And yes, but it's more than just that. The Bible is more than just a book. The Bible is all of these things and more is really what it is. You know, Pastor Mark, in the very first week of the Doctrine series, this is the, 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 this is the phrase that we describe what the Bible is. The Scriptures, both Old and New Testament, are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man. 
the infallible, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. That's a great definition of what the Bible is. That is our launching point. Because within that, when we talk about the revelation of God to man, that is a huge phrase to unpack that we're going to work at the next number of weeks. There are some scriptures that really kind of drive this in. We have 2 Timothy chapter 3.16, which starts out that all scripture is breathed out by God. That this book is the is the, the breath of God inspired to men to write down what he wants us to know about him and how to live in this world for him. It's breathed out by him. We, we see all throughout the Old Testament in passages such as Exodus chapter 4 and Joshua 24 and Jeremiah chapter 1, we hear these, this big phrase of thus says the Lord. It's the very words of God that we have given to us. John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus himself says in his great high priestly prayer, says, sanctify them, talking about us, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So when we have this book, it's more than just any one of these. We need to repent of our ideas that reduce the Bible to just one thing. Because the Bible encapsulates all of these things and more because it is the revelation of God. It's the words of God. It is the truth of God. This is a treasure. It's exciting to be able to dig into it now and learn how to read this. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. This is all about discipleship, right? Wednesday nights are about helping you grow as a disciple, as a follower of Christ. Now, as a disciple... You need, I need, we need to be taught. We need to be taught to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. And that's what the Great Commission actually says in Matthew 28. He says in verse 19, go and make disciples. And in verse 20, he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you teaching them to observe. Now this word observe in the Greek doesn't mean just look at it, just gaze upon it. No, this word has this idea of attending to it. Attending to it carefully is what the word is really getting at. So really what I want to get at to you right now is this. We cannot separate discipleship from Bible reading from Bible study, and from Bible application. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus if you're not reading this book, if you're not studying and understanding this book, and if you're not applying the principles and teachings of this book. So this next six weeks that we're in is of utmost importance. Okay? You excited to get into it? All right. Pull up your sleeves, get your pens out, get your Bibles out. We're going to get going. Let's, let's, let's talk about some motivations to study. Because I think, you know, a lot of things that we need to do is really kind of check ourselves, check our own hearts, check our own motivations. So what's your motivation for coming to the Scriptures, for reading the Bible? A big question that we're going to deal with tonight is why. That, that's really the big question that we're dealing with tonight. Too often we start with the what. Sometimes we start with the How. 
And that's really getting the the cart before the horse because if we just go to the what and the how of our faith, we will most often end up up feeling oppressed. It's going to feel cumbersome. It's going to feel like a burden. And it's going to feel like that to us and to other people that we come in contact with. And it's not going to please the Lord. I mean, Jesus says, hey, you know, my yoke is not burdensome, okay? Um, There's a great verse in Hosea. So it's Hosea 6.6. Jesus quotes this verse twice in the book of Matthew. Once in uh, Matthew chapter 9 and once in Matthew chapter 12. And it says this. Hopefully you guys can read this. It says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. A verse from, the, from an Old Testament prophet, Jesus quoted a couple times. You see, what he's getting at in the context of what he, of what he was talking about in those two passages, and for us now, is this, the position of our hearts far outweighs our religious actions. Our, the position of our hearts that we have, the character that we have, um, the attitude that we approach God and his word with is of the utmost importance. If we study the Bible for the wrong reasons, it will not produce fruitfulness in us or through us. And that is God's desire for our lives, that we'd be fruitful, that we would bear much fruit. But we have to go to it with the the right reasons. Here are some wrong reasons, okay? One wrong wrong reason, try to say that five times fast, one wrong reason is guilt. Guilt. We, We should be reading the Bible. We're supposed to read the Bible. And when you start thinking along these lines, you are living very close, if not fully, in a very legalistic way of living and living out your Christianity. You see, when we live in a legalistic way, what we're doing is we create our own standard instead of really living by God's standard. And when we live by our own standard, we always end up imposing that standard onto other people. And then we become very critical, very judgmental, very holier than thou, those sorts of things. This creates a culture in which good Christians read because they're afraid not to. They're afraid. But remember, the Bible teaches us that there's no fear in love. It also creates a culture where bad Christians feel guilty for not reading enough. But we forget that grace sets us free from feelings of that. So, is guilt a reason that you come to this word? If it, if it is, I'm going to encourage you that you can be set free from that. That's God's desire for that, okay? Another um, wrong reason to study the Bible is status. Is status. Um, are you prideful about your Bible reading, about your Bible knowledge, about your theological understanding? Can you argue up and down all day long with somebody about this and that and the other thing? This is one I need to guard against 
to be personal with you, okay? I can, I can lean towards this. I need to do a lot of repenting of it when I feel it cropping it up. You know, do you read your Bible just to get acknowledgement for reading the Bible? Now, we do an awesome thing here. We encourage people to read through their Bibles every year, and Pastor Don gives it your, you know, you get your certificate, you know, at the end of the year, and that's cool, and that is something to be celebrated. But if you're just doing it to get the certificate, that's not the right reason to do it. God cares about your character more than your productivity. He cares about your character more than your productivity. But the thing is, godly character will produce productivity. It will produce fruitfulness in a way that's honoring to the Lord. The third wrong reason, we got guilt, we got status. The third wrong reason is like teaching material. Teaching material. This is another danger for people who make their living on platforms like this. You know, if the only time that you crack open your Bible is because you're going to argue with somebody, you know, you know you got that one coworker, you got that one neighbor, that man asked you a zinger of a question the other week, and I'm going to get them back, I'm going to show them. You know, or maybe you just need to answer a question or prepare for a lesson in your small group or some setting like that. If that's the only time you're cracking open the Bible, I would say that's a misuse of God's word. That is a misuse of God's word. And here's the thing. God's word is powerful. And anytime God's word is read and read aloud, there's power in that and God can do amazing things, right? Because it's his word, not our word. But the thing is with us, we won't be able to fully realize effective ministry without allowing this word to transform us first and then be able to minister to somebody else, teach someone else, have a conversation with somebody else. This is inside out sort of a thing. So those are three reasons that are really bad to study the Bible when they stand on their own. So guilt, status, teaching, material, you know, those sorts of things. If any of those ring true with you a little bit, I'm going to encourage you. Go to the Lord with that tonight. Go to the Lord with that tonight. And ask him to clean your heart out with that. And just really help you to have the right reasons to come to this, which we're going to keep getting to. So let's kind of turn a corner here, and let's talk about why God gave us the Bible. Why God gave us the Bible. We've got six awesome reasons of why we have the Bible. The first reason that God gave us the Bible is to teach us about himself. To teach us about himself. You see, the Bible is God's story. It's not our story. It's God's story. He's the main character of his story. We are not the main character of his story. We are characters in his story, and God wants everybody to know about him, so he gave us this. You see, here's one thing our sin nature does. Our sin nature makes us very selfish people. Makes us very selfish people. And our sin nature makes this entire world and our lives about us. What we think, what we want, what we feel. You see, but God gave us a scripture... So we can know that really this world and this life is about him. 
that he's at the center of it all. Through this book that he gave us, we learn about his character. We learn about his attributes. You see, he's described himself for us so we don't have to come up with stuff on our own. He's given us all that we need. We learn things like he is the first and last. He's the Alpha and he's the Omega. We learn that he's the King of Kings. We learn that he's the Lord of Lords. We learn that he is holy, holy, holy. And we know all things because that is how he has revealed himself to us in this book. Amen? The second reason God gave us the Bible is to teach us about ourselves and the world that we're in. Okay? Uh, by reading the Bible, we learn who we are. We do learn who we are. And the first thing that we learn about us is that we're not God. It's the very first thing we learn. It, it really is. I'll, I'll, I will prove it to you right now. Okay? You guys say this with me. It's the very first verse of the very first book in the Bible. Genesis 1.1. If you can say it with me, say it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Raise your hand if any of you have ever done that before. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> so we all agree, except for Pastor, that, <laughs> no, so we all agree we are not God. We are not God. But we certainly learn about our own personal need for him, and we learn this broken world's need for him as greatly illustrated by the prayer requests that Pastor Paul shared with us already tonight. So, to teach us about himself, to teach us about ourselves and the world we live in, the third reason we have the Bible is to live godly lives. We're able to live godly lives. Second to Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Is a, is a verse we, we talk, is a very popular verse about the Bible. All scriptures God breathed. We already started out with that. It goes on to say, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Now, let's look at these words here. The first thing, uh, the, let's look at them in pairs. Teaching is probable for teaching and for reproof. Now, what that is getting at it is saying the Bible is profitable for teaching us the right knowledge, the right understanding of God and how he desires for us to live. So it's good for teaching that, and it's good for reproof, for correcting when we have wrong understanding about God and how we're supposed to live. That's what that first couple mean. The second couple for correction and training in righteousness. This, God gave us this word that we can correct wrong ways that we're living, the, the unrighteous ways that we're living. But it also trains us to live righteously. That's what this verse is getting at. So it's an understanding and a living out. The Bible is never just living in one of those realms. It's always both of those realms. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. For some good works? For a, a few good works? For good works only on Thursday afternoons? Or Sunday mornings? 
No, for every good work. You see, our primary work, here's another one. Let me write this other verse up here for you. Ephesians 4.15. I always say extra stuff that's on the slide, so that's why this is here. Ephesians 4.15. Our primary work is this, to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. That is our greatest work. Our greatest work is to grow up in every way. Not some, not a few, but every way. Our thoughts, our actions, how we manage our time, how we have relationships, the thoughts that we think, the words that we say, the places that we go, how we use our our resources, all those things, every way into him. So, the third reason that God gives the Bible is to live godly lives. The fourth reason that God gives the Bible is to facilitate a relationship with God. He wants a relationship with everybody. uh, Jesus said in John chapter 17, he says, this is eternal life that they, people, may know you. May know you. And he goes on, the only true God in Jesus Christ, myself, whom you have sent. It's a great prayer. You see, you can't know anybody without communication. Can't know anybody without communication. The, the, the times of struggle that my wife and I have is when we're talking the least. It always goes together. So you, you, you can't have relationship without communication. And God's word is our specific communication to get to know him and to deepen relationship with him. Every time you read scripture with the right motivation, you strengthen your relationship with the Lord Every time, because we are promised in the book of Isaiah that God's word does not return void. Ever. So, to facilitate a relationship with God. The fifth reason that we have the Bible, that the Lord gave us the Bible, is to exalt Jesus. To exalt Jesus. As we said, the Bible is God's story, and it's specifically his redemptive story. We're going to get into this a lot more next week. You see, all the Old Testament points to Jesus, and all the New Testament expounds upon Jesus. Jesus is God's word manifested. Is God's word manifested. How do you know that? Because he said so. John 17 again, verse 6 and verse 8. I have manifested your name to the people, for I have given them the words that you gave me. I have manifested your name, Father, he's saying to the people, for I have given them the words that you gave me. And then John 1, 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is the manifestation of God's Word, and this book exalts him to the highest. The sixth and final reason that God gave us the Bible is to prepare us for mission. To prepare us for mission. You see, we are saved for good works. Right? We're saved for good works. To continue to do the word of the Father as modeled by Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You catch that? We are to continue to do the word of the Father as we see modeled by Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
And we all have this as a blueprint from the Bible. It's all laid out. You see, we must come to Scripture not with our own agenda. You know, I've decided to do this, so let me go find some verses that are going to, you know, really make my decision the right decision. (laughs) That's a little backwards, right? No, we come to this book ready to submit to God's agenda for us. That's what we do. We receive our marching orders, so to speak, from this book. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We are ambassadors. We are his representatives. God making his appeal through us. You see, to be an ambassador is to do what God is ordained to do. Is to live out the mission that he has given us. To to represent him to this world. To your neighbor. To your family. And just like Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. We do this. Because we have been blessed to be a blessing. We have been blessed to be a blessing. One of the greatest blessings we have is the word of God. And we can be a blessing by coming to this word, ready and hungry to learn, and just sharing what we learn with other people. We, we, don't, we don't need to... God's word defends itself. Okay? This word has been standing strong for a really long time. And the more you're in this, the more you share this, it carries power with it. It will not return void when you share it, when you teach it. It won't do that, not in your own life and not with other people. We've been blessed to be a blessing. So, we have this word to be prepared for mission. So, We've talked a lot about attitude. We've talked about a lot about motivation, the wrong ways. I've kind of hinted at some right ways. So what are the right ways? Here's, here's the right ways. The first correct attitude to come to the Scriptures is an attitude of humility. Is, is, is humility. Isaiah 64, verse 8, says this. But now, O Lord... You are our Father. We are the clay. And you are our potter. We are all the work of your hands. Do you you feel, do you hear the, the humility that Isaiah is writing there? Saying, listen, this is not about our agenda. We are not creator. We are created. And we exist to do your will because you are a good and loving father who has molded us, who has shaped us. We are the work of your hand to do the work that you have prepared for us to do. So when we come, when we stand, we are not standing over this book. We do not stand over this book. 
we stand fully under this book. This is the position that we come, that we come with. This is the position of humility. Okay? The second attitude and motivation is really um, love. Love versus knowledge. Okay? Um, I, w- I, w- I want to handle this one a little carefully because they're both good. But it's a cart before the horse sort of a thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1 tells us that knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. Okay, how, how many people have ever known, heard, or have been yourself one of those know-it-all type of people? You've, you've come across them at some point, right? Okay, thank you for the person raising your hand, so I'm not alone. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, people who just talk about what they know all the time, they're, they're kind of annoying, aren't they? That's the whole idea. They're, 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 they're puffed up. They've got a big head. But the verse goes on to say, but love builds up. You see, knowledge used wrongly is, can be about you. But love is always outward. And love is about others. And love builds other people up and raises up other people. So we want to have this right understanding of love and knowledge and how they're working together. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says very clearly that God is love. So, you know, and, and we can look at 1 Corinthians 13. It says, the grace of these is love. So we all can understand and agree, I believe, that love is primary, right? Love is primary. But at the same hand, we do need to understand that knowledge is vitally important. It's vitally important. Uh, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says, people are destroyed due to lack of knowledge. You know, if we are to love the Lord our God with all of our minds, as the great commandment says, we've got to learn what's in here. We've got to know stuff. You know, we have a whole, we got a whole book in here called Proverbs. Another one called Ecclesiastes. And a lot of people can include Job in the wisdom literature, which we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks. So wisdom, knowledge is a really big deal. But it has to be driven by love. Okay? It has to be driven by love. If someone knows that you love them and that you have their best in mind, when you have a, when you have a challenging thing or a hard conversation or, or something like that to share with them, they will be much more prone to receive it if they know you love them. And what you're communicating is that God loves them too. So let's kind of get that love and knowledge tension working well together, okay? Do we agree on that? Excellent. Okay, so we've talked about now, we have talked about kind of what the Bible is, why we should study it. We've talked about um, why God gave us the Bible. We've talked about the right attitude and motivation. Now, what I want to do uh, with the last few minutes that we have, I, I, I want to give you a Bible study tool, actually. To, it's going to help kind of put this stuff into perspective and that you could do something tonight and the rest of the week with, okay? The next five weeks where we're going with this is really going to equip you in, in your ability to read Scripture in a transformative way. 
And, and there's a lot of work we're going we're to do with that and really understanding different time periods and literary styles, and we're going to get into that stuff. But the whole point is that you can read Scripture in a transformative way. And these, I'm going to give you four questions for you to ask yourself as you read a verse, as you read a passage of Scripture that will help put into action the issues of motivation and God's reasons for giving us the Bible that we talked about tonight. Okay? So let's, um, do we have all four questions that we can put up on the screen all at the same time? Is that how the slide is? Can we go to the next slide? Okay, back up. Oh, oh yeah, do we have them here? Okay, they're not all at the same time, but that's okay. So this first question is this. What does the passage say about God? When you come to a passage of Scripture, a section, and you want to understand really what it's getting at, you want to ask yourself, what does this passage say about God? Question number one. Question number two. What does this passage say that God has done? So the first question, what does it say about God? Second question, what does it say that God has done? Third question, what does this passage say about who I am in light of God's work? Follow me? What does this passage say about who I am in light of God's work? And the fourth question is, what should I do now? What should I do now? Now, we're referencing Psalm 23.1 because we're going to work through these four questions with this passage tonight. Okay? It's going to be really fun. So Psalm 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Pretty short. I'm saying most of us probably know that. But let's really go through this verse and lie these questions. So, what does this passage say about God? So what does it say? about God. Okay? It says this. Now, I'm, I'm going to help walk you through this. The first thing it says is God is not just our, but my shepherd. Do you see that? Just, just look at those first. Can we, put the, can we put the verse back up, please? The Lord is my shepherd. So we see the Lord is being described as not a collective hour, but this very personal shepherd, which tells us what, what's a shepherd doing? A shepherd is caretaking, right? It's a, a shepherd is a caretaker. A shepherd is a protector. A shepherd is a provider. So the Lord is my shepherd, my caretaker, my provider, my protector. Very personal going on here. The second question, what does this passage say that God has done? Well, the last phrase lets us know that I shall not want. So if we're not wanting, that means he has provided all that I need. So the second question, what has God done? So he has he has provided all of my needs. I, I shall not want. I'm not in want over anything. We, we know that Jesus is the good shepherd. Right? He's the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. 
We are ultimately not in want spiritually because Jesus gave his life for us that we may have life in him. The third question. Who am I? In light of all this, who am I? Well, I'm a sheep, right? I'm his. I am owned by him. He lovingly owns me. I am fulfilled because of him. That's who I am. And now what should I do? What should I do? What should we do? Because he is my shepherd, my caretaker, my provider, my protector, because he's provided for all my need and I'm not in want, because Jesus is the good shepherd who has laid down his life for me that I might have life in him, and I am his sheep, I'm owned by him in a loving way and fulfilled because of him, I can now live in trust and in love and not fear because of my good shepherd. I don't have to worry for my needs. I don't have to worry about my food or my bank account or my family or my job or anything like that. And I am free to run in his pasture and be who he created me to be. Now, do you see? I mean, the Lord, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. We got like nine words up there with a wealth of information in it just by asking four easy questions that get to the heart of our motivation, that get to the heart of who God is, that get to the heart of, of what he has done and what he has revealed to us in his word. So what I'm going to encourage you to do, I'm praying that you're reading your Bible this week. And maybe you just want to walk through Psalm 23. I don't know. But as you do that, work through these questions when you hit a passage. Really ask the Lord to reveal to you, and, 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 re- and you will be able. I mean, I, I just love how in the video, Francis Chan is so passionate about, through the reading of God's word, the transformative power that goes on in his life, how God meets with him and talks with him and empowers him, and he can go and live. That is a desire and call for all of us. So, next week, we're going to really start going into more about how to understand the Bible, digging a little bit more deeply to give you the tools that you need to mine out all of the wealth of the treasure of God's Word. Sound good? All right. I hope to see you guys next week. Bring someone with you. Um, this is going to be an awesome, awesome series. Let's, let's, uh, let's stand and pray together. Father God, oh man, your word is so good and so powerful. And we are so blessed that you have given us such a great gift. Father, I pray for us tonight that as we begin this journey... Lord, I really pray it challenges a lot of us to really come to your word rightly, to come to you rightly in in a way that's uh, that's equipped. Lord, I pray that tonight that our motivations have been challenged and if there has been sin that's revealed, that your spirit has revealed, that we repent of that, we receive in your forgiveness and walk in your grace and open up your word with brand new eyes. 
and open hearts, not with our own agenda, but with your agenda in mind. Lord, keep us humble. Help us to be people of love and help us to be people of knowledge as well that we may live in a way that's honoring to you that impacts this world, this community. Do great and mighty things, Lord, with us. We want to be your followers, your disciples, and to grow up in every way into you, into Christ, our head of this church. We thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You are dismissed.